Super Bowl week is here. It's arrived. We're fired up. This is the the reason that we podcast the game. <laughs> Welcome to the Dolphins in Depth podcast. I am caddy of the show, Armando Salguero. Star of the show, Adam Beasley, you're slaving over a hot microphone the entire season for this moment, my man. What you got for Super Bowl Sunday? Oh, I am so very excited that all, basically, not basically, the Dolphins are in the Super Bowl, right? Todd Bowles is in the Super Bowl. Sam Madison is in the Super Bowl. And Dominican Sue is in the Super Bowl. Uh, Casey Rogers is in the Super Bowl. They're all in the Super Bowl. It's like we're there, buddy. Clyde Christensen is in the Super Bowl. Clyde Christensen is in the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, my takeaway from this week is the Dolphins just didn't show enough patience. Ha! <laughs> that <does> stop. <laughs> wow. Well, you know what? You know, you're making fun, and we're having fun, and not much, but a little bit. Um, by the way, you also forgot the fact that uh, Keith Armstrong is in the Super Bowl. But... Anyway, I would say to you that the lesson learned is that a lot of these assistant coaches that go down in flames when their head coaches fail, uh, they're a lot better than we thought they were. Yeah. So the, I think the broader question that for the last 20 years, I mean, I've been on the beat for nine now. You've been on it for a little longer than that. But let's just say 20 years is a round number. Has the problem been coaching or has the problem been talent? Yes, of course. Uh, and, I, and by the way, I appreciate how you, how you gave me the little, a little longer than that. When it was, <laughs> I, I think I'm okay with that because 30 would mean a long time. <laughs> the, the, the key to a successful long-term relationship, Armando, is flattering your partner. So I, 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 there's I, the flattery. I like it. I like it. So, yeah, I, I think it's both. Uh, clearly it's both. When you see players that do better elsewhere after they leave here or do better elsewhere before they come here and then don't do as well here, that obviously suggests Something's on them and something's on the, the people that are coaching them. When you see coaches that, you know, were assistants here and were not valued as maybe they should be, but go elsewhere and they succeed elsewhere, you're thinking, hmm, I don't That is on the coaching. Definitely. Well, on the coaching. Well, here's a question for you. Do you think this franchise would be in better shape if in 2011, 2012, they just rolled with Todd Bowles? I don't know. I think this franchise would be in better shape if in 2000 and I would say 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20, they would have found an elite quarterback. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's that. I think that for obvious reasons, the decisions was made to roll with what you had or roll with something that was not did not turn out to be what you expected. And simple as that. Look, I remember 
Well, whoa, 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 whoa. We, 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 we got to take a timeout one second. I got, I got, I got to correct you on one thing. What happened to the be, be sweet to the partner thing? What, what, what's that? I'm trying to set up a joke here. Come on. Ah. <laughs> the joke was that Dolphins had a Super Bowl quarterback. His name was Chad Henning. Wow. <laughs> well, thank you for, for sharing that. That is absolutely true and scary. But <laughs> so in 2000, and I, I forgot what year it was. I think it was 2000 and, and I want to say 2010 or 11. I asked Tony Sperano, do you really still believe that Chad Henney could be great? That he could be a really good player? And he said to me, no. <laughs> no. But you was know it, what? Was this in a press conference? No. It was <laughs> like in a in a personal exchange between he and I. Mm-hmm. And, and he said no. And, and it took him a long time to get to that answer because he was afraid that you know, that I would regurgitate that information, which which I did not, you know. But at that point, he was already off the Chad Henney bandwagon, and yet he stuck with Chad Henney as his starter because he didn't have much of a choice. Right. So uh, when your head coach knows that the guy is not the guy – that's a bad way to have to, you know, go down. That is terrible. In 2019, by the middle of the year, Adam Gase knew that Ryan Tannehill was not it. And as you remember, he and I had this um, uh, difference of ideas mm. during a press conference. That's a kind way to put it. Yeah, like he was yelling at me and and – and he was yelling at me. <laughs> I, I, stop me if I'm wrong, but I, exec, I believe the exact phrase, you have no idea what you're talking about, was used. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, he did say that to me. And in some regards, uh, he's right. Because if we had been talking about rocket science or, <laughs> or neurosurgery, he would have been right. But you know what? It's hard to hide the quarterback, Adam, don't you think? Of course it is. Of course it is. It doesn't take genius to understand if a quarterback has it or not. And you can hide it with a left tackle, maybe. Uh, You can hide it with a, a five technique. You can hide it with a right guard. You can't hide it with a quarterback. And And this is... Again, this is going to get to the broader topic of the off season, and with all these teams that are, you know, <laughs> switching quarterbacks and trading quarterbacks and giving up on quarterbacks, and obviously we can get into that trade over over the weekend. But you made the absolute perfect point in your column that if if you have an inkling that Tua isn't that, but you can get the guy that you know is that. What are we even doing here? Like, what's what's the point of this exercise? If if there is doubt about one player and 100% conviction about another, it's a no-brainer. You do what you can to get that player, and you, you know, say, you know, Tua, I wish you the best of luck. I think you have a bright future ahead of you. You may or may not be lying when you say that, but you say that to him. And, and then you move on, and, and you go and try to win a Super Bowl because Tom Brady – 
and Patrick Mahomes are in the Super Bowl this year. There's a reason for that. Those are two of the top five or six quarterbacks on the planet and maybe two of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. It's, it's you know, Dolphin fans believe that when I write about or when you write about or when we write about Deshaun Watson, it's taking a, um, a jab at Tua. It's not. It, look, Tua, for all that, at least I know, I'm speaking for myself, for all I know, Tua might be a good player down the road. But the problem is, Tua might not be a good player down the road. Whereas I know that Deshaun Watson is a good player. So it's certainty versus uncertainty, correct? And, and he, correct. And here's what's truly mind-boggling about this entire debate. If in the winter of 2013, after the 2012 season, you had a chance to go and acquire Aaron Rodgers at age 28 or whatever he was, and you had to say goodbye to Ryan Tannehill, I can't imagine very many fans would be losing it over that. That would be total homers for Ryan and say, no, we've got our guy. Has Tua shown you that much more this year than Tannehill showed you as a rookie? No, he's less. <laughs> less. And and the problem is that I don't see – look, I'm, I'm going to be very frank here. When you hear – Tua Tungavailoa talking of late, I feel bad. Oh, God. I, he's, I think he's worried. I think I, he's worried he's done so. I, I feel bad because when he arrived, okay, I thought this kid's got it because he was talking about getting on the phone with guys and calling them and building a relationship with them and, you know, doing the things to lead a team, and whatever the Dolphins want to do. If they want to play me, I'm ready to play. And if they don't want to play me, I'll sit and I'll learn and I'll play later. Now it's, I don't know if I'm going to be back or not. Uh, all I can do is work. Um, it, it's, I, I didn't play well. I didn't play up to my standards. It's almost like the, 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 the rookie year that he just had hurt his confidence a little bit. And I'm worried about that. That's, well, that's and, concerning. And the broader question is this. Is it a function of his makeup or is it a function of how he was treated last year? Because you don't see very many top five quarterbacks in their first six starts get pulled twice. You don't, you, you, you don't see that. Uh, and you don't see a quarterback that against the Arizona Cardinals look like you know, what's what's the Michael Jordan saying? The ceiling is the roof. <laughs> I, mean, he, 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 I mean, he looked incredible against the Cardinals and then just forgot how to play the game the rest of the season. Like you, you, it, Something happened, and maybe it was in Denver when, you know, he got benched and was playing poorly and couldn't, you know, he couldn't adjust to what the Broncos were doing and, and, and Flo pulled him, and then he got hurt, and then the season kind of unraveled from there. But is that on the coaching or is that on the player? Well, I think it's a little like everything else. I think it's a little of both, Adam. But here's the thing. You mentioned that Arizona game. That game suggested to me the Dolphins have something here. Mm -hmm. This guy has the potential to be special. And from that point forward, he regressed. He regressed. It was, it was worse. And they treated him like he regressed. They they uh, showed no confidence in him. 
They pulled back on the offense. Look, I talked to Don Strock when uh, the Dolphins started doing this uh, Fitzmagic Tua Fitztua thing. <laughs> uh, and I talked to Don Strock about his time with Woodstrock. And he said, one of the things that I'll never forget, he said it. I don't understand why the offense is different for Tua than for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Because I, as a player, and I, as a guy who coached the game, and am a student at the game, I can tell. They they call it differently. They don't trust Tua. And I'm thinking, wow, really? Uh, that is stunning. Be- because... It is what we saw. Yeah, so that brings us to the broader point. How do you fix him? And the Dolphins, uh, either they're, they're, they're going to not fix him, they're going to trade for Deshaun Watson, or they're going to try really hard with a plan that kind of came into focus uh, this very day. And we'll discuss that when we get back. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. So earlier today, ESPN reported Armando that the Dolphins will not have an offensive coordinator. They will have two offensive coordinators, Eric Sudsville and George Gossie. They will be promoted, and they will share the responsibilities. When I say that to you, your reaction is what? My reaction is I'm going to write a column about it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's my reaction. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me give you a preview of, of the column, right? Because mm-hmm. um, I think that it's fair to the listeners of the podcast to know what's coming. They're making this big deal out of Charlie Fry uh, coming in and working with the quarterback and, you know, George Godsey and Eric Studesville and uh, tons of respect for all of them, right? Mm-hmm. Charlie Fry coached at, was, was it Western Michigan? I believe it was Central Michigan. Central Michigan. So Central Michigan last year played six games. They threw seven touchdown passes. <laughs> is that bad? <laughs> um, and this is the guy that's going to work closely with the quarterback to to make everything right. I I don't know. I I'm not I'm not with it. Well, I can't, I can't speak with any authority about the, the personnel they had on that offense, the quarterback, uh, the games they were in. Maybe they got out to huge leads and just ran the football. I, I, I know nothing about 
the Mac. I'm, I'm not all about that Maction, so to speak. Uh, but one t- 1.16 touchdowns per game through the air in college football doesn't seem like a lot. So there has to be a good answer as to why that is. But I don't think they they they're, they're, they hired him because of that one season. I think they hired him because of the time he spent in the NFL. Um, you know, the, 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 his acumen, his ability to teach. I think those are the reason. Uh, that doesn't bother me because look, uh, Robbie Brown, Charlie Fry is going to be an upgrade over Robbie Brown because Robbie Brown brought so little to the coaching staff that he lost his job midway through the season when he got sick. And then uh, once Chan Gailey left, he lost his job for good. So uh, it's that, 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 that coaching move is, it, it couldn't be worse. It's going to be an upgrade. Um, I'm, I'm more confer- concerned about how the offense is going to look, how it's going to be drawn up. Now we saw the senior bowl this past weekend uh, that, that Godsey and Studentsville kind of got a, gave us a sneak peek of what's to come. One called one half, the other called the other for the national team as the Dolphins coached the senior bowl. And, and Armando it felt like I was watching Chan Gailey. It was read options. It was shotgun quick passes. It was power running. It was a, a lot of the things that we saw them do playing in a 10 to 15 yard box. I mean, I was like, I want to see these wide receivers make some downfield plays, but they weren't calling very many of them. So, you know, obviously they hadn't had a chance to create their own offense yet, but he also got a sense as to what their, their, their degree of risk aversion was. So if they're going to play inside that box again, I, I don't know where this big leap in offense production is going to come from. Well, I was, uh, wasn't it you that told me that they are handed an offense at the Senior Bowl and told you're going to run this offense? They are handed um, the philosophies. Like you can run basically three personnel settings, groupings, 21, I think, uh, 12 and 11, and uh, there's no motion. So it's basically, you know, it's, it's very simple. But, I mean, the read options and the, you know, and the, and, and the really the little hitch passes, stuff like that, that we saw all last year, we saw a lot of it on, on on Sunday or Saturday, and I didn't see a ton of the same from the American team on the other side. So the Dolphins definitely brought some of their philosophies to the game, even though they were very limited as to what they could do. So let's talk about the elephant in the room, shall we? We mentioned earlier how all these assistant coaches uh, left the Dolphins because the head coaches that they were under didn't get it done, and they've gone on to bigger and better things. A lot of them are in the Super Bowl this week. Brian Flores, uh, God bless him for what he's doing or what he has done as far as winning with lesser talent in 2019 and getting the team to 10 and 6 in 2020. But uh, the handling of the coaching staff and retention of coaches and hiring of new coaches has been a mess. That's been bad. There's no way that the day that Chan Gailey resigned, that this is what Brian Flores had envisioned. Because if this was his vision, he would have made this move the next day, right? If, th- if, if this was the line of succession... He would have he would have elevated those two guys the day that Chan Gailey uh, turned in his papers. Uh, the fact that they went through a series of interviews with external candidates, all of whom either were not offered the job or said thanks, but no thanks. We don't know the details, but a lot of these guys were promoted from within, or in Clemson's case, uh, stayed you know stayed with the, stayed where he was. 
Um, and then who knows how many other candidates they considered. Uh, I, I talked to uh, Harold Goodwin this week. I talked to Mike, Mike Kafka this week. Both said they hadn't been contacted by the Dolphins. Uh, and here we are with this plan. But it, it, there's there's no way that this was what Flo had envisioned the day that Chan Gailey left because it, it would have happened by now. It wouldn't have taken four weeks for them to fill that job. Um, so what happened? Did Were there people who kind of scared off by the fact that, hey, you fired now or you've moved on now from two offensive coordinators in as many years? And, oh, and by the way, we're asked to fix a quarterback who didn't have a good rookie season. Was that a deterrent for some of these guys? I don't know. I haven't spoken to the Pep Hamiltons of the world, but the result's the result. And the result is they they didn't really upgrade, did they? I mean, they have the same people who are creating the same game plans last year for Chan Gailey, who are going to be creating the same game plans this year for Tua Tonga-Bailoa and, and the Dolphins' offense. Look, uh, go back a little bit further than that, okay? So Brian Flores spends 10, 12 years in the company of Chad O'Shea. And during those 10, 12 years, they build a trust and a relationship to the point where when Brian Flores finally gets the big opportunity to be a head coach of a, a National Football League team, he tells Chad O'Shea, Chad, We've been working together a long time. I know what you're all about. You know what I'm all about. Pack up here in New England where you have, by the way, job uh, security. Pack it all up. Bring the family down to South Florida. Let's, let, let's make this fly for the Miami Dolphins. You're my offensive coordinator. And Chad O'Shea is like, woohoo, I'm going home because he is – you know, he's lived in South Florida, and his dad was part of the University of Miami program. He comes down, and within one season, that turns sideways, and Chad O'Shea, who was given subpar talent, is fired. So 14 years or so of history erased in one season. And the next day... Brian Flores hires Chan Gailey, mm -hmm. who, who is 67 years old and has been out of the league for three seasons, and you're my guy. And you're my guy in an offseason and going forward, me knowing that we're going to pick our forever franchise quarterback, and you, my 67-year-old guy, you've got to be the guy to develop him. Where is that small – I don't see the plan there. I don't see the forward thinking in any of that. Well, I, I don't – that that leads me to believe that they thought Chan was going to be back. That they, they were – Of course complete, he thought he was going to be back. And Chan, yeah. you, you know he didn't want to come back. Right. That they, they, he was completely blindsided by Chan's decision to resign um, and didn't have a good plan B, which is stunning, though, because – Godsey had been an offensive coordinator for the Houston Texans, I believe, in 2015 and 2016, if I'm correct. Um, and he trusted Godsey enough to let him be the Tua whisperer last year. Why go through all these hoops over the last four weeks and then not even truly give him the job, make him sure it was due to so? That, that, that to me, is, is the, the, the most confounding part of all this. So 
Yes, I, I do think a story is, and it'll be up to us to, to see if we can get to any of these former assistants to talk on the record about it. But the question is, is what happened? Why, why the turnover? Why every single year your half your coaching staff is gone? And why? And, and even more than this, Armando, why when you replace those guys that are gone, are you going to the college and even high school ranks to do it? Is 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 there something about the Dolphins coaching staff that other t- coaches around the league are wary of at this point? Which is crazy to think because this is a team that's successful. This is a team that won ten games last year that overachieved in 2019. But at this point, either you know they're gun shy that they're going to get fired after a year, which is a valid concern, or they're they're worried about coexisting with Flo, who who has acknowledged on the record that he's not the easiest guy to work for. So yes, uh, the quarterback is obviously the most important question this offseason. But I think a broader question is this: is what's going on in that building? Well. You you raised the idea that he that he Brian Flores was you know surprised by Chan Gailey. If that's a that's a fact, then he's the only one on earth who was surprised <laughs> because for three weeks before the season was over, Chan Gailey was being asked, Chan, um, do you want to come back next year, Chan? Are you coming back next year? Are you sure you're coming back next year, Chan? Because everyone understood that Chan was not loving the whole experience of being the Miami Dolphins offensive coordinator in 2020. And if everyone understood that, dealing with him in Zoom uh, press conferences, not being in the building, not being around him per se – and the folks in the building were surprised? <laughs> How is that possible? Yeah, I, I, I mean, you would hope the head coach monitors what his top assistants are saying in public. You would hope. I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe they don't, but you would hope. And um, if, if you're, you know, you're, if, if, if Grandpa Chan is uh, saying, yeah, man, oh, I, I wow. really – I didn't really, I didn't really enjoy the COVID lifestyle. I mean, it was, it was, this was not a fun year. I mean, that's just, that was essentially what he was saying to us. You would think as soon as that zoom ended, the head coach would go to the offensive coordinator and say, Hey man, what's up? Do you, do you want out? Are you, are you done? Just let me know. Cause I have to start making a plan. And absolutely. He expected Chan back. Cause you'll remember the end of season press conference in which, you know, which happened two days after the season, right? Mm-hmm. So the end of season press conference, Flo is asked, is your entire staff coming back? And he joked about it because last year he said that they were coming back and then he lost two or three guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this year he says, yeah, look, last year this happened, but this year I'm, you know, we're good. Everybody, I expect everyone to come back. And the very next day, Chan is gone. Right. So, so. Uh, the communication, is it not happening well? Is it not what's going on? Here's here's my theory, and then we got to get out of here. My my theory is this. Flo is a college coach coaching the NFL. True or false? I don't know what you mean by that. Explain. He he is – it's not an organization. It's a program. 
okay, uh, from from the way he wants his players and coaches to interact with the public and the media, to the expectations, to running to the TNT wall, to he he has he has the DNA of a college coach, and that can be great to get discipline, and that can be great to be great for organization and getting an, a franchise that was kind of dysfunctional back to being functional. But at the end of the day, you're dealing with professionals. You're dealing with professionals uh, on the, in, in, in the player level and on the coaching level that maybe sometimes that act wears thin. And maybe you're like – because I've spent the week, Armando, listening to Bruce Arians, and I've just spent the week listening to Andy Reid. And the way they interact with their players and, and, and the media is completely different. I'm not saying one's better or one's worse, but they're just, they're just totally different. Uh-oh, Flo's calling you. Flo is pissed, bro. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now, go ahead. My point is this. I'm not saying Flo's not cut out for the NFL. He's obviously a good coach. But there's at some point there are diminishing returns for for how demanding he is on on his players and on his staff. And I don't think that's any secret. I think he would acknowledge that himself. So that that would be, to me, be the longer-term concern. Can you you get a group of men – on the coaching staff and in the locker room that can deal with that. And if not, is Flo willing to change his ways a little bit to have more longevity when it comes to veteran players and it comes to coaches? Well, let me solve this Rubik's Cube that you have presented to our listeners about Flo and college coach or pro coach, okay? Flo is a product of what he is a product of, and that is the Bill Belichick, New England Patriots way. And Everything that we have seen with Flo is Patriots, all of it. He is the best clone of Bill Belichick's approach that you that I've ever seen, honestly, that mm-hmm. I have ever seen. But here's the problem. It's, it's in New England, players after a while, they didn't love – the the approach they didn't like the hard driving the hard charging they didn't love it but they had all the winning and all of the success and all of the the rings and all of the the big games that they did love and so that kind of mitigated the the icky parts where the coach doesn't is it easy to work with? The coach is kind of hard on on you, even if you're a star. The coach doesn't believe that uh, he should really pat you on the back if you're Tom Brady because you're just Tom Brady, and it's a football game, and you're just an individual. So that gets hidden behind the, the veneer of we're the Super Bowl champions, and nobody's better than us. However... In Miami, you don't have Super Bowl rings. You don't have a reputation. You don't have Tom Brady. You don't have anything that mitigates all the the difficult uh, moments and the long nights and the early days and, and the hard work and the hard practices and coaches on your butt. And all of that, you don't have any of the good stuff. You have just the hard stuff. That can only carry for so long. 
Agreed. And but the, the, I, I have another thought, too. I think sometimes people miss mistake uh, correlation for causation. And I think Danny Amendola kind of got to the crux of that debate on the radio this week on Radio Row when he said the coaches weren't the Patriot way. Tom Brady was the Patriot way that all this stuff we're talking about, the don't talk to the media and do your job and all that. Was 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 wasn't the reason they won. The reason Correct. they won. The reason they won was they had one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Correct. And and so so now in Miami you're doing your job and you're not and you're the media is the enemy and all that. Um, but you don't have Tom Brady. So I, I think there has to be an adjustment. I think either he's Flo is going to have to find his Tom Brady and that could be Deshaun Watson and we could you know we could be talking about the Dolphins way for the next ten years. Or he might have to soften his edges a little bit. I just don't know if he's capable of that. Yeah, it's it's not – look, we're <laughs> – they are who they are. And I think that the coach has learned a, a certain way, and he's going to go with that way because he's convinced it, it it works. Why is he convinced? Because it worked in New mm-hmm. England for whatever reason. I think that maybe forest from the trees, it worked also because you had Tom Brady – uh, coach, and you had multiple almost Hall of Famers, and you don't have that right now in Miami. You better get understanding that because it's a the window on we're okay with this way of doing it. The window on we gotta change coordinators every year. That get that gets closed very quickly. I'm going to get you out of here on this, Armando. We talked about Tom Brady. Does he get another Super Bowl ring on Sunday? I'm going to say something the Dolphin fans are going to hate, okay? (laughs) I'm going to say this, and they're going to hate it. I'm going to be rooting for Tom Brady on Sunday. Oh, do tell. Why am I rooting for Tom Brady on Sunday? Because I admire the fact that the dude – uh, told Bill Belichick, kick rocks. I'm going to go do it somewhere else and prove to you that it's me, not you. And the only way that that proof is wholly understood is if Tom Brady wins on Sunday. And not only wins, but beats the best quarterback in the league doing it. You do that, Bill Belichick is going to go, oh, my God, it wasn't me. It was him. I think he's already got a sense of that. Uh, I think he's a little salty. Uh, I think Brady was asked yesterday if he's yet heard from Bill, and he didn't answer, which suggests no. Um, so I, I, I think that what will happen is if Brady does win, you will see a fire lit under Bill Belichick next year like we haven't seen since the early 2000s, and uh, that might not be good news for the Miami Dolphins. So you're, you're picking whom? Oh, the Chiefs are the best team in the league. All right, so you're going to go with the Chiefs. I'm going to go with Tom Brady. We'll uh, we'll be back again next week on the Dolphins in Depth podcast, sir. I really do appreciate you making me not seem as old as I am. Thank you so much. <laughs> I look forward to sharing our tenth season together. 